You can be opening up your Bibles to the book of John. Uh, we are continuing our study there. Uh, welcome everyone online that might be viewing today, and uh, hopefully we can continue the study of the gospel. You know, we, as I mentioned last week, we have the four gospels, right? We have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are called the synoptic gospels because they're, they're kind of in, they have a synopsis, right? They're very similar. They're, very, they, uh, they're, they're, they're written about similar events. You have a lot of the things that are written in one gospel that is alluded to in another. I did mention last week that it appears, and what scholars would say was they are written to different audiences, though, perhaps. Uh, written to Christians, of course, but Matthew was probably more written to, the, to Jewish Christians because Matthew talks about the Old Testament a lot. He talks about the prophecies. He refers back to the law. So Jews would have known about that, right? And Jewish, Jewish Christians would have understood. And he's trying to show them who these prophecies were about, that they were about the, Jesus, the, the Messiah, Jesus, this one that had come. He's trying to tell them about that. And then Luke was probably written more for Gentiles. Of course, we know who Luke was, right? The great physician who traveled with Paul as he traveled out throughout Europe. And we read about a lot of that in Acts. And Luke was probably writing to the Gentiles to help them simply understand the gospel, right? Not necessarily needing to know all the Jewish law, needing to know all the Jewish tradition or prophecy, but to understand who Jesus was. And then Mark was probably written to, to, to the Christians in Rome uh, and, and, and perhaps Gentile Christians helping them to, try to understand some of the things about the Jewish tradition. He, he explained some things about some of the words that the Jews used or some of the traditions and prophecies. So... They were written to different audiences. And then last week we said, well, who was John written to? What's John about? John is very different from the other Gospels. John is kind of standing alone as a Gospel. Why? Not, at, not in the fact that he's not talking about Christ, but because he is simply saying, I have written this that you may believe. In other words, he's writing the Gospel for everyone. This is for all. All people, Jewish, Gentile, every race on the face of the world, on the face of the earth, and we can be glad and hopeful in that. We read in the first few verses there about the fact that Jesus, or the Word is how he puts it, preexisted, was there in the beginning, the beginning of creation, right? We read about that he was deity because he preexisted and created the world, the world that we know of today. He was life. In verse 14 of that first chapter, it says, That word became flesh and dwelt among us and was seen by witnesses. That, that word that was there uh, prior to time, prior to the world, existed and became flesh. And then we also saw where he was, what? A light. He, he was the light, light in the darkness of the world. We live in a world that's very dark, right? A world that's dying. Everything in this world is running down. Nothing in this world lasts except the kingdom, right? We know the kingdom is everlasting. We know that the kingdom of heaven is everlasting. Everything in this world is going to be done away. It's going to be removed. And we have that hope through his coming, through that light that came into the dark world, that we can live eternally with him, eternally in that kingdom of heaven. Last week I kind of finished up talking about the theory of relativity. I know that was kind of a kind of an odd thing to do probably, but I did want to show how you could take the math of that theory 
and extrapolate that out to the one constant in the world, the speed of light. And it kind of goes to the attributes of God when you get there. Very interesting to me. It fascinates me how you can see things in this universe and they kind of point to a creator, don't they? You can't really get away from that. You, you can deny it, yeah. You can, you can not think about it. I don't want to think about that. But, you know, Einstein himself was not considered to be very religious. He was, Jew, he was Jewish. But he is quoted as saying that the more he studied science, the more he believed in a God. It makes it kind of hard to believe anything else when you see the order that occurs in our universe. When you can see laws that occur constantly. I don't want to wax too eloquent here or get too caught up in the philosophy, but our world has order. Our universe has order. Our bodies have order, right? Oh, sure, there are flaws. Things happen. We're in a dying world, remember? As long as we're in this world, we're going to have problems. There's going to be sickness. There's going to be illness. There's going to be death because of sin. Sin that entered the world. We read about that in Genesis 2. When Adam and Eve ate of the tree, right? God created life. He intended for that life to be there forever. But he gave them a choice. He couldn't create someone as robots. He couldn't create robots, right? He had to create man and woman with the ability to think, ability to choose him or not. And that's what happened in the garden, right? Be able to choose light or dark. That's a great analogy. It's very simple, right? Without, what, what did I say last week? Darkness is basically described as the absence of light, right? You walk into a dark room, you can't see anything. Flip the switch on immediately. The whole room is lit up immediately because of that light. That light changes everything. And that's what the Gospel of John, that's what the writer of John, that's what John, who we believe wrote it, says. He came into the world as the light. All right. <coughs> Turn over to John chapter 18. I want to read something real quick. I alluded to this last week, but I want to read it. Uh, read it to you. John 18. And let's read beginning in verse 33. And this is Jesus before Pilate. And I just want to read a few verses here so we can see what he says. Then Pilate entered the praetorium again, called Jesus, and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered him, Are you speaking for yourself about this, or did others tell you this concerning me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and chief priests have delivered you to me. What have you done? And Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight, so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Pilate therefore said to him, Are you a king then? Jesus answered, You say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? And when he said this, he went out again to the Jews and said to them, I find no fault in him at all. Jesus told Pilate, I came to bear witness of the truth. I want that to sink in just for a second. You know, we can study Jesus, we can study his life, we can study the following apostles that came and preached in his name. But what did Jesus tell Pilate? I came to bear witness of the truth. And interesting the question that Pilate has after that. What is truth? You see... You get a lot of that today, right? There's nothing absolute. You know, it's whatever you want to do, whatever you think is right. 
It don't matter what, what you think, whether there's a truth or not, whether there's true and false and, and good and bad, evil or good. Jesus said, I came to tell you, I came to show you what the truth was. And those who hear his voice know. How do we know? Well, because a lot of evidence, right? It's not something we just believe because we want to believe it. There's a lot of evidence proving it, including the order of the universe, which I just talked about. All right. In John's prologue, back in chapter 1, the apostle mentions another man named John. Well, who was this man? Let's read a few verses starting there in verse 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. Okay, well, who, who, who's John talking about here? We should know this, right? John the Baptist, right? The forerunner, right? He came in as a bearer of witness to the light. Now, I just talked about the fact that Jesus told Pilate he came to bear witness of the truth. And so the truth is the light, right? And John was the forerunner. He came in to show who this truth, who this light was. Where, who was the truth? Of course, this was John the Baptist. And John the Apostle makes it clear that he was not the light, that this John the Baptist was not the light, but that he came to bear witness of the light. Okay. Turn, look down at chapter, uh, verse, verse 19. Let's read beginning there in chapter 1. Now this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, No. And they said to him, Who are you? That we may give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Hmm. Wow. So John's not Christ. John's not Elijah. But he is a fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy. He is the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Well, wait a minute. I'm a Jew in the first century. And you got a guy telling me that you're a fulfillment of prophecy? Ooh, that's close to blasphemy right there, man. Who do you think you are telling me that? Yet, the writer of John, the Apostle John, says he is that person. He was the one that came bearing witness of the light. <clears throat> Why did he do that? Look back at verse 7. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all through him, him being the light, might believe. Last week, we read a couple of verses similar to that, didn't we? Remember that? Look over in John chapter 20, real quickly. When we said, why was the book of John written? Verse 30. And truly, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, 
But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. John was written that you may believe. Jesus Christ is the Messiah that was prophesied about, that John the Baptist told us was coming. He is the one. All right. Well, it turns out that John the Baptist was not the only person to have, bear witness of the, of the light. Um, did you know others did before he came? And others have since he came. In fact, we might have the responsibility to bear witness of the light ourselves, right? We might be called to bear witness of the truth, bear witness of that light as well. The forerunners of Christ. Let's look at that for a second. Turn over to 1 Peter 1. Let's read a, ver a couple of verses there. 1 Peter chapter 1. We're going to be jumping around a little bit, so be ready. All right, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 10. Of this salvation the prophets have inquired and searched carefully, who prophesied of the grace that would come to you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ who was in them was indicating when he testified before the hand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. To them it was revealed that not to themselves, but to us they were ministering the things which now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things which angels desire to look into. So, we have the prophets. The prophets referring to this Messiah. All right, turn over the book of Isaiah. Of course, we've got to go to Isaiah because Isaiah prophesies about the Christ, right? So we've got to go over there and look. Go to chapter 7. <clears throat> Let's see what he has to say. Chapter 7. And verse 14. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Who's he referring to there? Christ. This Isaiah that came several hundred years before, he's prophesying about the Christ. Turn over there to chapter 9 for a second. Verse 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. And then turn over to the Messiah chapter, as it's called, chapter 53. And look at verse 4. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement for our peace was upon him, and his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. This light bore our iniquities. Bore all of our sins. For those who believe. We mentioned last week the prophet of Micah, talk, uh, Micah 5 and 2, talking about he was everlasting from everlasting. He'd always been. <clears throat> and then Jesus also attributed or reminded his disciples of this truth. If you go over to Luke chapter 24, and let's look there for a second. 
24, beginning in verse 25. <clears throat> then he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures that the things concerning himself. And then turn to verse 44. Then he said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. Then he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. <clears throat> Jesus is telling them, I am the one who was prophesied about that I have to die for the sin of the world. In fact, it's estimated there are more than 300 prophecies concerning Christ. 300! Now, the Jews, they, they, they knew about this Messiah that was prophesied about. Of course, what did they do? They rejected him. They didn't believe. They didn't believe he was it. Partly because they thought he was going to be a king on earth, right? He was going to lead Israel to be a great nation again. Instead, they were eventually dispersed all over the world. So they didn't necessarily believe, right? Just a remnant. But we have many prophecies that these is the Jesus. And he claims he was the fulfillment of that. What are you going to do with that? Either you're going to believe it or not, right? Either you're going to say, yeah, he was the truth, he was the light, or not, right? you got a choice. Well, John the Baptist, we just said, was prophesied about. <clears throat> if you go back to Isaiah, I'm not going to read it because I just read it in John 1, 23, but Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3, you read that prophecy where he just mentioned about the one crying in the wilderness. Isaiah said there's going to be one coming that's going to be talking about this Messiah, this Christ. He's going to be coming before he comes. This is also indicated in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. We read about that. <clears throat> John, the ba uh, John also talked about the fact that John the Baptist was a witness of the light. As, as I just mentioned in, chapter in verse 29, actually I didn't read that, did I? Let's go back over to John and read, beginning in verse 29. The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who is preferred before me, for he was before me. I did not know him, but that he should be revealed to Israel. Therefore I came baptizing with water. And John bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit descending, upon, descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained upon him. I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. John the Baptist said he was the Lamb of God coming to bear the sins of the people. And he was also who? The Son of God. He was told through the Spirit by the Father. All right. So here we have this John the Baptist who's bearing witness to the light before he's here. Talking about he's coming. We also know about the kingdom coming, right? There are, uh, there are others that bear witness of, of this light as well. 
One, we just kind of mentioned there, is the Father, right? Turn over to John chapter 5. How do we know this? How do we know that God said this is the Jesus, this is the Messiah? Look at verse 36. But I have a greater witness than John's, for the works which the Father has given me to finish, the very works that I do, bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. And the Father himself who sent me has testified of me. You have neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his form, but you do not have his word abiding in you because whom he sent him you do not believe. We have, through Jesus' works, evidence of his being sent by the Father. Right? Turn over John chapter 3. How else do we know? Verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a, we know that you are a teacher from, come from God. For no one can do these signs you do unless God is with him. Even Nicodemus could see it. I mean... A normal man couldn't do what he was doing. The signs and the miracles, right? He had to be from the Father. The Father also bore witness through his voice from heaven. Where do, where do we hear that? Remember? Matthew 3, we read about his baptism, right? And what happened at his baptism? Voice from heaven. This is my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased. Also, where we read about that in Matthew 17, at the Mount of Transfiguration. Voice from heaven, this is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. And then, turn over to John chapter 12 real quick, and let's look at another time. 12, verse 27. <clears throat> now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven, saying, I have both glorified it, and will glorify it again. Therefore the people who stood by and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said, An angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered and said, This voice did not come because of me, but for your sake. <clears throat> now is the judgment of the world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out, and I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all peoples to myself. This he said, signifying by what death he would die. Here as he's <clears throat> about to be crucified, we hear another voice from heaven claiming he is the one. He is this person. He is this Christ. He is this Messiah. We also know that he bore witness by raising him from the dead. Turn over to Romans chapter 1 real quick. Meaning in verse 1. Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God, which he promised before, through his prophets and the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son Jesus Christ our Lord, who was born of the seed of David, according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the Spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead. How else do we know? He was raised from the dead. Remember, if we don't have the resurrection, what do we got? Nothing. Just another guy that died, right? Just another person that died, just like the rest of us. He made some, he made some crazy claims, you know, who, son of God. But he was not just dead. He was raised again. 
And because of that, we have that hope, right? We have that hope that we will be raised from the dead to eternal life as well. All right. When the Father raised Jesus from the dead, he was seen by select witnesses who in turn were commanded to do what? After his resurrection, after his ascension, what were they told? Well, go tell others, right? Go bear witness of the light. And the apostles had an eyewitness testimony, didn't they? We don't have that. We only have the accounts, the written accounts. The apostles had that eyewitness testimony. Turn over to John chapter 15 real quick. <clears throat> Look in verse uh, 25. Now his older son was in the field. I'm sorry, I'm in Luke. I went back too far. I was going to say, why? why, I'm reading a parable. All right, John 15. Verse 26. But when the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. And you will also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. Jesus is telling the apostles, I'm going to send the helper, Holy Spirit, and you will bear witness of me because you've been here. Turn over to John's other, one of John's other letters, in John, 1 John chapter 1, and read verse 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifested, and we have seen, and bear witness, and declare to you that eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested to us. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you, that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you, that your joy may be full. John says, we were there. We saw all this happen. We're declaring it to you. Carrying out that mission, right? Bearing witness of the life and death of Jesus Christ. How else do we see the truth through the lives of the apostles? Was it easy for them to do that? Was it easy for them to go out and tell others about the Messiah, about Jesus Christ? No. Were they persecuted? Yeah. Were they thrown in jail? Locked up in shackles and chains? Yeah. Were they beaten with rods? Yeah. And what did they do? They counted it as joy. They saw it as joy. Can you imagine being beaten with rods and thinking, and praising God for it? Woo! I mean, that's something we should get to a point where we could, we could say we, could do, we would do that. But that's a tough thing, isn't it? Easier said than done, right? They did it. They endured these things. The people knew it, right? People knew what they were going through. That was a testimony to their eyewitness. That was a testimony of their bearing witness of the light of the truth. Then we have the disciples. Right? Not just the apostles, the disciples. And as disciples, aren't we all? Right? Followers of Christ. Jesus was sent by God. God loved the world. 
Turn over to John chapter 17 real quick. Beginning in verse 20. This is when he is praying. I do not pray for those alone, or for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me, and the glory which you gave me I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. What else bears witness of the light? Our unity as believers, as disciples. One blood. Doesn't matter what race you are. Doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are. We're together in this, in this fight, in this fight to overcome the world. We're together in this journey to eternity. We're together in the mission that we have to preach the name of Jesus Christ to this dying world. Doesn't matter who you are. And I guarantee you, all who proclaim the name of Jesus Christ will be welcome here, in this congregation, and they should be in any other. That's how the world knows our love. That's how the world knows who we are, right? I mean, can you imagine going out and trying to preach and then we're fighting all the time? Does that happen? Hmm. Yeah, maybe. We know how Paul feels about that. Remember what he said in 1 Corinthians? If you studied 1 Corinthians, <clears throat> particularly chapter 1, first, actually the first three or four chapters, what is Paul talking about? You got one that says he's of Apollos. You got one that says he's somebody else. I'm glad that I didn't baptize him, so you can't say you're of me. He said, you are of Jesus Christ, the light of the world. He wrote this in this letter, says, I write this so that there be no divisions among you. Unity. That's big, folks. That's big. If you don't have unity, how are you going to carry out your mission? How are you going to show the world what Christ is all about? They will know we are Christians by our love. Love for one another and our love for them. All right. Turn over to Ephesians chapter 4 real quick. <clears throat> Starting in verse 1. Therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, be, and by the way, he's a prisoner, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called, and one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is above all, and through all, and in you all. We are to be unified. We are together in that, right? We are to shine just as Jesus, as the light, 
shown to the dark world. We are light too. Did you know that? You have a light. We used to sing about it when we were kids, right? But did you ever really think about that? You are a light to this world. Sorry, I'm getting a little preachy here. I'm getting a little loud, I know. But I want you to understand that. That light is, John is making that point. There is basically two things in this world, light and dark. Which side are you going to be on? You remember Moses in Deuteronomy? I think it was chapter 30, right at the end of the chat, right at the end of the book of Deuteronomy, when he was about to, about to die, and he tells the Israelites, you have a choice. You, have, you can choose light, or you can choose darkness. Choose light. Even Moses was telling them that. Well, look at... Uh, verse 17 there in that same chapter in Ephesians. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness, to walk all uncleanness with greediness. But you have not so learned Christ if indeed you have heard Him and have been taught by Him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. We're to be unified, and we're to do what? Put on the new man. Put away the old, lewd, Sinful things. We were baptized, buried with him, buried with his death and baptism, raised to new life. We begin a life with him. Sure, we're, we're going to sin. We're not perfect. We're in the flesh. But we are to continue to grow or continue to put these things off, put off the sinful nature, become more Christ-like every day. Do you do that? Do you think about how can I be more Christ-like today? Or do you just go about your busy day not really thinking about that? You know, as Christians, perhaps that's something that should be on your mind. If you're planning to be with Christ forever, do you think about that when you get up in the morning? You think about the fact that I need to live today as Christ? Putting off sin. I know I'm going to be tempted, but I need to live like Christ today. I need to put off that old self, that old fleshly desires, temptations. It's tough to do sometimes. I know that. But that's what Apostle Paul is saying here. Their proclamation of the word bore witness to the truth. And our duty as elect people of God, children of God, is to proclaim his praises and his salvation as well. That should make us think about things, right? Just mention it. What, what if we remain silent? What if we don't spread the gospel? What if we don't speak about it? I mean, first of all, is the reward going to be ours in the end? I mean, you're going to spend eternity somewhere, right? Think about that. We have a mission, right? 
Now, I'm not saying you've got to go out and stand on the street corner with a placard saying, you know, repent, that kind of thing. But it should be something that's on your mind and on your heart every day. Thinking about those who need Jesus. Thinking about those who need to know about the light of the world. And of course you need to set that example, but it's not just that, is it? It's not just that. We need to bear witness of the light just like the prophets did, just like John the Baptist did, just like the apostles did, and the disciples following them. It's an ongoing thing, folks. You don't have much time. Seems like yesterday, I remember thinking, I got another 60 years to live. And, I, and I'm, I'm young, I'm still young. But that was like 30-something years ago. <laughs> it's like that is gone. What happened to it? You know that. We don't have much time. We got to get busy, don't we? We need to be thinking about these things. Perhaps today's lesson will help you a little bit. Think about what John the Baptist went through. How did John the Baptist die? Cut his head off. That's not a pleasant thought. But he was faithful to the end, wasn't he? What happened to the apostles? We don't know necessarily what happened to all of them. We have traditions that say they were some of them were crucified, right? On a cross, upside down. I don't know if that's necessarily true or not. But they were faithful till the end. And that's what we as Christians should be doing, should think about, should plan to do. Renewing our minds daily. How do we do that? Studying, being in prayer, and working in service. Now you do you come to church here, you come to class. I'm praising all of you for being here today. Thankful. In this pandemic, that's that's a hard thing for some to do. And I wouldn't blame you if you didn't want to come. And there are many that didn't, and I'm hoping they're staying safe and healthy because I don't want anybody to get sick. But you're coming out to your own peril, aren't you? You don't know for sure what's going to happen. I praise you for that. But is this it? Is it just coming together and, and, and encouraging each other? No. You need to be busy. You need to be at work, folks. If we're going to praise, if we're going to show the praise of God, we need to do it in love and unity. And we need to be about the Father's business. Do we bear the light, witness of the light by our unity? Do we do it through our transformed lives? You ever seen somebody that became a Christian and their life changed? I have. You can really tell a difference. Do we help or hinder those who believe in Jesus? I hope, in your case, it's help. I hope that perhaps from the Gospel of John we can understand the life of Jesus and be motivated to bear witness of the light. Thanks for being here today. We'll see you next week.